Hey gang, Dre Harrison here from the Motorsport 101 podcast, coming to you from the future, or post-production, however you want to describe it. I just wanted to get a quick apology out on this one, because this episode of the show, based on Formula E in Cape Town, was filmed right after it actually happened originally, but got pushed back down the schedule because we wanted to take priority towards other series we cover, like Formula One and IndyCar, as well as all of our season previews around that sort of time, and we kind of took advantage of the fact that Formula E conveniently was in a one-month hiatus at the time. Sorry if you're a Formula E fan and you've had to wait a long time for this episode to come out. It won't happen again. It's just been a bit of a nightmare behind the scenes organising everything. Uh, Thanks for your patience and your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the show. Guaranteed to be completely friggin' bonkers. Because what else? It's Formula E. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Sometimes I just haven't got a witty joke for how bonkers this series can be. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 422 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighbourhood host, Dre Harrison, and uh, with me as ever, because we've we've done double duty this week, we're we're a close-knit family here at Motorsport 101. RJ O'Connell's here, hello RJ. Hello. And we've also got Cam Buckley, hello Cam. Oh, I'm laughing all the way to the bank. Four out of five wins, baby. <laughs> Even when Porsche was trying everything in their power to not win a Formula E race, they win a Formula E race. <laughs> like I, I don't know how these guys keep doing it, to be honest with you. But I, uh, I am reveling in this. It's like I, I love that you were so despondent about Porsche at the start of this season, and now the series is about to take a month off, and Porsche have won four out of five and have first and I think, I think it's first and. It's that reverse psychology. It's that reverse psychology, not psychology nonsense. Oh yeah. I realize I I have been so jet lagged the last week since coming back from the UAE that I've had that I've had multiple instances where okay, you you ever like say something, you mean one thing, but the word that comes out of your mouth means something like completely, completely the opposite of what you're trying to say. I've had multiple moments. Uh, like this in the company of conversation with others and i don't know how to feel about it well it's something <laughs> about grapefruits yes the the, the famous vince mcmahon line i have testicles the size of grapefruits i accidentally say i have grapefruits the size of testicles that just means they're not ripe yet rj oh Gentlemen, we're four minutes in. I mean, come on. Like, it, it doesn't take long these Motorsport101.com. Yeah, ch- ch- check us out for more um, testicular-related jokes, honest. Yeah, I, no, no, I actually don't. No, please don't. 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 I'm, not, I'm not doing so good right now. In the words of know. Piccolo Dragon Ball Z, the balls are inert. It doesn't make a bit of Yo! Oh, dear. Okay, should we talk a bit about Formula E? Because Formula E had around... Oh boy, we had round five of the championship this past weekend in a brand new location, Cape Town in South Africa. Bit of a buzzing weekend for South African sport. I mean, women's T20 World Cup cricket final. We had the nine hours of Kalami, and then we had this big Formula E race as well. Good weekend for South African sport. Well, yeah. kind of, given that you know, the women lost the final against Australia and then Cape Town was a bit of a shit show, but 
But that's sure. okay because both the Vanderlyn brothers race this weekend. Uh, sorry, what? Uh, mm, uh, about that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to dissect here in this one, including an all-time classic race that was decided on the final lap in extra time by Antonio Felix da Costa hitting one of the best Formula E passes ever. Um, good luck to us breaking down that one. And then we had two dramatic moments, one on track, one off track, one in qualifying regarding um, Edo Mortara and Sam Bird, and the other one involving, well, forecast pulling out of the weekend before we'd even gotten to a race. There's a lot to get into here, which is why we're going to get through the social media real quick, first and foremost, as RJ quite gracefully alluded to, Motorsport 101 for all your grapefruit-related needs. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport101, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport101, Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you want to find our personal handles, you can at Dre underscore WTF1, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBuckley917. You can, you can back us on Patreon if you really like us as well, Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. Let's talk Formula E in Cape Town. To put this, to distill this whole weekend into a nutshell, this was everything awesome about Formula E and everything not so awesome about Formula E in one compact package. This was the race, Dre, that seemingly no one wanted it to win. Uh, so here are all the notable events, the rap sheet, if you will, of everything notable that happened in this race in order. Championship leader Pascal Verlein avoided an incident with another car by creating his own, plowing into the back of Sebastian Buemi on the first lap of the race and knocking himself out. Mitch Evans, from the lead of the lace, r- race, getting a drive through penalty for overpowering during the ensuing safety car. Mm-hmm. Jake Dennis would have been in, in position to take, close in on that championship lead, but then he got a drive through penalty for overtaking under yellows. Matt Gunther was running top three all the race, crashed the wall, broke his suspension, and retired. First-time pole winner Sasha Fenestras, who led an early portion of this race and was running a comfortable third, gets hit from behind and crashes on the final lap. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the battle for the lead. Antonio Felix da Costa, with a lead that he was building, misses his final attack mode with John Eric Firm closing in on him. And you think, that's it, it's done. Only for DaCosta to hit the mother of all sands on the final lap of the race to win it. Instant golden melon candidate. The second uh, move of the race that he pulled at the same portion of the track. Trey, why'd you make it that incredible Cape Town race? One of the best Formula E races ever. And some actual proof that the maybe, just maybe, the organizers of this series aren't completely brain dead. This was an ideal track for the direction of which Formula E is going. Exactly. We, we talked about a lot about this last year in Formula E, about how the cars were getting quicker and quicker, and the fact that maybe they were starting to outgrow their smaller, custom-built street circuits that had turned races into processions on some occasions. Cape Town was the opposite of that. Cape Town was flowing. It was fast. It was and it was just the right level of danger, and it forced even some of the most established veterans of Formula E history to check themselves before they quite literally wrecked themselves. That's right. Um, Not to mention, them, it's picturesque and beautiful. Mm, some of them didn't actually check themselves in time, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. But yeah, like 
this was really a street track that flowed more like a permanent circuit. Mm. And it showed because these cars just seem happier on a faster flowing track. Um, it also meant the drivers had to take massive risks on the brakes because we know tires aren't very grippy. Um, mm. That was the case before they moved to the current cinder block compound that Hankook uh, provides at the FIA's request. But it meant that we, like some of the qualifying laps we watched were just completely over the limit. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fenestraz's qualifying time for pole was oppo into and out of every corner. I, I distinctly remember the first quarter final of the duels. He was blaming himself and apologizing to his team at Nissan for hitting the wall during his qualifying lap and still making it through over John Eric Verne in the quarterfinal. It was, it's a hilarious bit of radio. Find it on Formula E's Twitter account if you haven't seen it already. It's well worth the 40 seconds of your time. But yeah, this was, I mean, Fantasy's pole lap was the fastest lap in the history of Formula E. Just over 95 miles an hour average speed. Uh, which for Formula E is turbocharged, basically at this point. So, yeah, it, it goes to show you that this is that this is clearly the direction of where Formula E's teams and cars and drivers need to be going forward. This is exactly what they need to do because this was excellent. It, it, I liked it. I liked it a lot, I, and, and it, it it led to some great racing and it punished mistakes. Um, that was a theme all weekend long, and it clearly caught a lot of drivers out, and that was a good thing. Um, so I'm all for it in that sense. And yeah, this was a great, great track, and the series delivered on terms of action. You know, back and forth action up through the field. There was passes to overtake people, and DaCosta figuring out he could go around the outside of not just Cassidy, but Vern as well for the win was just incredible stuff. Incredible action. Hey, and remember when Antonio Felix Acosta pulled off the move of the race with about uh, eight or nine laps to go, and then he did it again at the same spot? You want to see me get nominated for the Golden Melon? <laughs> you want to see me do it again? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we officially added him to the, uh, to the list on that one. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, echoing everything that was just said, this was a, a racetrack and a race structured in a way that made it made Gen 3 make a little bit of sense. Mm. Watching it, watching people race one another. Um, God, Antonio, that, that, that move, that move. Bold. Dear God. Jeff said after the race, he literally could not see DaCosta in his mirrors. That could have been, I mean, it was literally inches from disaster. Um, DaCosta sent it into a very narrow gap and just about found the way through. And it was a, a race. It was a pass worthy of winning any race. It was absolutely incredible. He had a tire screeching while he made the move. The flying will lend us walk on broader tight ropes than the one Antonio Felix DaCosta <laughs> walked on to, to make that move on John Eric Verna, the final lap of the race. Yeah, and what it ended up uh, meaning in the championship context is that, well, not a lot, actually, for the Drivers' Championship, because Pascal Verline, aforementioned uh, death on, on lap one. Yikes. Um, this, is not how you, this is not how you defend a championship lead, Pascal. And, and his first race is a new father. His first race is a new father. Uh, the German commentary basically saying, I hope your kid wasn't watching. <laughs> At Daniel that age, he's there. not going to have cognitive memories anyway. 
You'd hope not, given the move that was made. And, and, and to be fair, not entirely his fault with yeah. kind of a checkup in front of him, but still could have made better decisions there. But the most, it didn't amazing thing out of that, the most amazing thing out of that, by the way, was Sebastian Blemy going out to continue the race and scoring solid points. How does he do it? Yeah, he got <laughs> ass-packed on lap one and it let, ended up not really mattering. Let, let's not forget as well, he also had two crashes already on the weekend. And he had heat stroke. And, and, he, on, he, and all this in the same week, their legendary team boss, David Price, from the past sadly passed away as well. It was, it was a highly emotional week for Envision. Um, no kidding. Um, yeah, so Buemi was sick as a dog, had already crashed twice, and, and got hit in the race by Pascal and still finished in the top five. As you do. But hey, Very this is going to blow race. the championship wide open in favor of Jake Dennis, and then he picks up a penalty after already starting for the back of the field. Yeah, basically ended up not really mattering in the context of the championship. Everyone else is closed up and everyone else is so far behind anyway that they still have healthy leads. What it does do to cost his win is maintain Porsche's advantage, uh, Porsche's factory team advantage at the top of the standings. Mm. 100%. It's bunched the pack up a bit, but given there was about 50 points between Dennis and Verlon and everybody else, it's, it's this, there's still like a race back, um, which, you know, is good for those two, but their breathing room has absolutely shrunk, especially with Jev getting back-to-back -back really solid results in first hey, and second. Remember remember how Jev said that, the, that his car had no chance at winning Cape Town and he almost doubled up? Yeah, and he, and he lost by essentially three tenths of a second. <laughs> I love a good uh, – we love some good reverse psychology here. Uh, I think the most important thing that we're missing is that Dan Tictum overcame the cancel mob uh, to finish a solid sits, his best result of the year. Unironically, really great drive from Dan Tictum. <laughs> yeah. May not like him, but you have to acknowledge he had a good race. Yeah, it's absolutely his best race in Formula E. That was a professional job from from top to bottom, and he brought it home and brought him good points for Neo. Who Big points for Neo, given the context of their fight, because, yeah. uh, well, As two of the teams that they might be fighting at the bottom of the standings did not have a good weekend. In fact, they didn't have a weekend at all get into that shall we because this is one of the big ones and wow uh this was a lot so after free practice two on uh saturday morning uh day of the race there was a discovery on nico muller's um sayat cupra regarding their rear suspension and they were analyzing and checking the amount of loads that um or you know, the, the force of the loads that their rear suspension was receiving over the bumps and the obviously speedy parts of cape town Basically, the Cooper team did not like the amount of force on their suspension. They share that, that same suspension with the Mahindra uh, factory team, who, who also share their powertrains. Um, they got together, and I think it was Frederick Bertrand, who's uh, there at, uh, at Mahindra, released a statement saying that all four cars are going to be withdrawn from the rest of the weekend. Yeesh. On safety grounds, they basically couldn't risk a major part failing during the race, obviously after 30 laps of potentially sustained force at, at full racing speed. So, yeah, it'll, it, it's it, it's a little bit of a sad one on the, on the stat sheet as well, because uh, 
Lucas Degrassi, who um, we're not exactly the biggest fans of here on this show, but he he was the only man in, in Formula E history to, to have taken part in every single race in, in FE history until Saturday. Same for Mahindra, who have been named the same from the very start. And because they've missed that race, it means no team that has kept its name through Formula E history has ever done every single race either. So two streaks died this weekend um, as a result of... Mahindra and Apt Cupra being unable to compete. They um, entered, but they didn't make the start. Yeah, of I had the to race. withdraw. I mean, we had kind of to lay a little bit of background. These cars, uh, much of these cars are spec. The parts that are not, of course, are the drivetrains and the rear suspension setups, which the teams execute themselves. And we had kind of warned before this season got underway in our season preview that this generation of car had a really compressed development schedule. There was not a lot of on-track testing done. There were not a lot of miles on these cars. And when there were miles, there were constant issues cropping up. We Mm. thought it would be the rear brakes because the fact that they're purely regenerative on these cars. Um, There's no traditional brake disc or drum that you'd see in a production car. Right. Uh, but this is a bit this is a bit more worrying because the rear suspensions on these cars, you know, phenomenal loads going through them, even though these are relatively low grip tires, they still carry incredible corner speed mm. uh, for what they are. And the fact that there were components of the suspension flexing to the point where they were concerned about failure really speaks to just how undercooked this entire generation is going in, even though we haven't had a lot of failures going in to the first couple races. Cam, I was thinking of something. What was the last time other than Indy 2005 that we had like a whole team just pack up and withdraw on safety grounds? I want to say it was like Minardi at a Spanish Grand Prix in 2002 would drop both their cars because their wings kept failing. There was there was that there was um, the the COVID weekend at Australia and F one. Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that, that's <laughs> yeah. not on the teams though. No, um, more more thinking along the lines of like in twenty fourteen while they were kind of in their death throes, there was a huge story that had come out that Caterham was reusing broken suspension components and rewrapping them with carbon to hold them together. Jesus Christ. Um, and they got absolutely hammered by others on the grid as well as, you know, obviously all of social media is like, what the hell are you doing? That's the, that's the closest thing to this kind of incident that I can remember because the FIA did clamp down on that after the fact for very obvious reasons. You can't have a Formula One car driving around with major mechanical components being held together with the high strength equivalent of duct tape. Yo, yeah. it's it's great for episodes of just rolled in, but it's terrible in the in the application of real world motorsport where there's so much more risk. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not acceptable. They, we we will not know the full extent on of what what the full situation is until they get the cars back in the UK. Um, and a uh, Mahindra have said they're going to carry out a full investigation on all of the all of the cars in question to basically better figure out what's happening. They can't figure it out on the track. They're going to have to get all the cars back to the UK, and then they're going to carry out their own investigation 
to basically see if they can determine what caused it. Um, but in any case, it is, it's alarming. It's everything that we can't stand about this series. It's, it's everything that we warned you guys about in our season preview with Sasha and how this whole generation has felt half-baked. Um, not enough testing was done, clearly. Um, Porsche were very open about how undercooked everything felt from this generation. And the fact that already... And, having, and they're the dominant team, and they're, yeah. they're saying this. Yeah, but the Porsche, who are now, like I said, the best team in the sport right now, were the ones before this season even started that were pointing out just how batshit crazy everything had been behind the scenes and that it needed to improve for Gen 4. And this was also the same weekend where the first conversations had started about Gen 4 um, this past weekend in Formula E. And uh, also, what happened to walking before you can run? I mean, they're already thinking about having a, quote, evolution of the Gen 3 car, like a Gen 3.5, basically. I mean, they had they had thought about they had tried to do that with the twos, and then of course COVID came swinging in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, for me, it's like I, I don't get me wrong. You always have to be thinking about your future when it comes to running a racing series that tries to be quote unquote on the edge of technology. Mm-hmm. But you gotta you gotta dot your eyes and cross your t's first before you hand in the paper. And I don't see it getting that much better because, like, we've got a month off, but that there's no on-track time there. No. And certain things, like, testing is not racing. Nope. And simulating in a computer isn't testing either. You need real-world miles on these cars. I'm, I'm stunned, like, even with these big gaps. Because they, they, there is some big gaps in Formula E's calendar. Why couldn't they subsidize another test? Why not? Because Effie doesn't have very much money. <laughs> I hate that you're probably right on that one. It's just in, in the context of what they are. I mean, it, it just speaks back to and we'll, and we'll get into a little bit more because th- this was not the only ridiculous incident this weekend, although it happened almost concurrently. Oh, yeah. Um, It just speaks back to the state of the series that there's just a lot of very basic things that are mismanaged and have a huge effect on the end product. 100%. It's, it's, it's just another blow in this championship's quest to be taken seriously. And a lot of people don't take Formula E seriously. And I, I remember the, the week we recorded after Valencia a couple of years ago now, and the embarrassment like on DaCosta's face when he came over the line on that race that almost the entire field ran out of energy and just how much of a shit show it was. It's it's it reminds me of these sorts of days. Like I mean only seventeen oh, oh, cars lost seventeen cars started this race camp. Yeah. Seventeen. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, yeah, they would have uh, they would have killed they to have killed, seventeen. They would have bit cars. your arm off for that. Oh my mm. god. Um uh, the bigger thing for me is that think of how good this race was. The yeah. track was a riot. The racing was good. The action was good. And yet over all of that is the shadow of mismanagement. I, I, I liken it to, you know, roll it back to NASCAR in 2018 when Chase Elliott, incredibly popular prospect and of course, future series champion, um, ends up winning his first race. And not even 12 hours later, 
the CEO of NASCAR is arrested for drunk driving in the Hamptons with Oxy in his pocket. Yeah. No matter how good the product ends up, there's always something overshadowing it. Yeah. It's this was the best Formula E race I can remember in a long time. And despite that, there's still a dark cloud hanging over this series because nearly a quarter of its grid couldn't take part in a race in a car that was deemed too dangerous to compete. No matter which way you slice it, that's humiliating. That and, is, and, and two oh. of those are, and those are manufacturer cars as well. Yeah. At least one of them. Uh, Mahindra do manufacture there. I mean, yeah, we're talking about works entries in a FIA sanctioned series, having a car fundamentally unsafe to race with. It's 2023. In an FIA World Championship. It feels like we should be past this. And this is what? Season 9 of Formula E now? Season 9, but I mean, uh, again, it just rolls back to, uh, you know, you do a big technical reset with these cars. They're all new, top to bottom. And then you don't give these teams, uh, and don't get me wrong, it's not all the FIA's fault with the current situation with the global supply chain. But if that's the case you're still putting drivers' lives at risk. 100%. Look, and when the, when the basic, as, as Jason quite rightly puts in, uh, in, in the chat, the base car is spec. Mm-hmm. Spec equipment, and these are not spec parts, but that should make it easier. It should. Spec cars, by and large, should be, have one of their jobs be it's safe. In this case, they weren't. Yeah, this series has to do better. It, it, there, there is no excuses now at this point. You're in your third generation of car, and we're still talking about basic mistakes. It's just, it's just embarrassing for everybody involved. And like, I'm glad Mahindra did the right thing and withdrew. It was, I mean, for, I'm glad that they didn't even think about running these cars and taking that chance. I should, but, be, should be happy that everyone walks away from this physically intact. Yeah, exactly. th- this track was fast enough. You, your right rear suspension collapses. You're going in that wall hard. Yeah, right, into this, that um, into that um, really fast uh, left hander yeah. to finish off the lap. A reminder: sure. Fernando Rossi's pole speed was 95 miles an hour on average. That's pretty quick. Uh, before uh, we on move city on, streets. From, yeah. Mm. Before we move on from this, do you think we're going to see? another instance where a team sits out because i yes. hope not i hope not i hope but. not but i think it will if if this get if out this, of my head Dre. if this <laughs> if this wasn't discovered uh. until halfway through the fifth round of the championship what else do we not know about these cars yet yeah, maybe we pro- thought the that, issue was going to be the rear brakes. Because, like, yes, these cars need more testing what do you do what do you do as a failsafe just send it back into gen 2 cars it's not an option, but you, you moved you moved the whole sport forward into a new era without doing your detail work. Yeah, and they left it too late. They really should have pushed Gen Three back another year, really. But you know, they 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 couldn't get enough testing time in, and now they're all paying the price. Like I said, if it takes until halfway through round five to discover that your suspension has a fundamental safety problem, what else do we not know about these cars yet? 
Like, what are we going to find now when more and more mileage goes down on these cars that there might be fundamental concerns? I fear there's more we don't know about. Yeah. That's and what really worries me. And I don't want to be in the per. I, I don't want to be the person in the car that suffers that failure that gets to find out first. No, because that's normally when we do find out about these things, and we're lucky it was discovered off the track and not on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we move on to something that kind of weird and unsettling that happened, but wasn't necessarily an, an inherent fault of the Gen Three car itself? Oh boy, more <laughs> mismanagement. Uh, Eduardo Martara in qualifying lost it on the last left-hand corner and crashed in the wall. And amazingly enough, there was no flag waved by the marshals until Sandberg couldn't avoid Mortara's wreck car and crashed into it, leading to our fifth pre-race withdrawal because Sandberg's chassis was uh, was too damaged. Um, what would y'all Sam- make of this? Sam Bird and the terrible, no good, very bad FE season. I think we need to just Oof. stop. As a friend of ours would say, we need to stop observing Sam Bird. If we just, just, just don't him. perceive him, <laughs> things things I, will be fine again. I pretend I do not see it. Exactly. Just pretend that's James Collado in the car. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's just mean. No, look, look. We say this because we all like Sam Bird. Sam Bird is one of the most genuinely likable people in motorsport, and he, he's a very easy guy to root for, especially me, given he's a fan of United fan. But um, he's an incredibly likable funny guy and we all appreciate him in this series and we all know he's a damn good driver um and yeah it was, speed has not been the problem this year no it's just been everything else um no this was this was a very unfortunate accident i mean look mortara hitting the wall it, it, i mean it's kind of sums up his season really mortara's had a dreadful time of it in that maserati so crash what three times this weekend yeah, he and Bwemi both binned it three times this weekend. Just Jesus. just a horrible weekend all around for, for certain people. And Motari, yeah, just lost it on, on that super fast left hand, the virtually flat out, um, lost the rear, smashed it into the outside wall. And then at that point, the red should have been called immediately because mm. there was a car blocking the racing on a line. Blind, on a blind, uh, very, very quick left-hander. Right, and he's you, you on, come he's, out. Yeah, you come out of that corner, and he's right on the racing line. Exactly. This should have been red flagged immediately. And normally in Formula E, if there's a wrecking qualifying, they do red flag it immediately. Now, I don't know how much of this was down to the fact that there was already probably a load of marshals in Kyle Army for their nine-hour endurance race they had this same weekend. Um, that's probably a fact that it's played up into this, but you can literally see during the live session and seeing the replays of the incident, the marshals that were there just didn't quite know what to do with themselves. There's a complete lack of urgency. Yeah, just there is a dude who has crashed a car on, on the racing line on a blind left-hander, and then 10 seconds later... Sam Bird is flying around. He's lost the rear of the car. He's lost control at that point. And then he's... Trey, before we even get to that, Mm. there were two cars that went by and almost drove straight into Mortara. Yeah. They had to to grab an armful of lock just to get themselves out of the way. Yeah. It it could have been even worse. Easily could have been even worse. And 
you know, thankfully both drivers involved were okay. As mentioned, Sam Bird's car was not, um, and it had to be pulled for the rest of the weekend because they couldn't fix the broken chassis in time because the race was only four hours away at that point. Yeah, he backed it in uh, basically head-on gearbox to wall, mm-hmm. um, and then he hit Mortara's car. Yeah. It's, um, just I do, again parked yeah. on the racing line. And I do wonder if the marshals had a proper sense of urgency and had watched the situation. If they even just pull a yellow in that zone, maybe Bird slows down enough to avoid that incident. Or any of the other cars that pass through Mortara's incident. Because as Cam quite rightly points out, two of them sped past at full racing speed in that qualifying session and only just avoided Mortara's car. Um, It was a horrible accident. And it's another, and I, I don't like using this term now, because unfortunately the incidents of F1 Abu Dhabi 2021 has now almost turned this this phrase into a punchline that it shouldn't be. But the human error of the series has made everybody look bad again. Why would Michael Massey do this? <sighs> but we fixed yeah. stewarding, et cetera. I, I thought we fixed stewarding. It, it's just, and <sighs> we call it immediately because yeah, uh, that- we, we 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 hold you know big parties watching these races and in, mm. in our Discord, and everyone's just like, "Where's the yellow?" Mm. And before we can even kind of get that sentence out, here comes Bird backwards as they're as they just throw the red, basically when he's already on the way to the wall. Um, it, it, it's that split three or four seconds that can make all the difference in the world. And in this case, it did not in a good way. Um, <sighs> I want to stop being negative about FE and I can't. It's just a horrible look for all involved again. And again, this series has to do better. Like there, there is, there's no getting around. Again, this maybe isn't totally on the series organizers. Again, I think the marshals have to take some degree of responsibility here because if they're on the ball, this incident probably doesn't happen in its entirety. Yeah. But, who, but, who, but who's responsible for getting the marshals on the ball there? That's the other thing. It is the series. I, I mean, they barely got up from their chairs when the incident happened. I mean, again, it's the serious responsibility on that front. And yeah, I know Formula E likes to use a lot of local volunteers, and that's usually great. But unfortunately, if they're not of adequate quality, incidents like this happen. Mm-hmm. The marshals enable us to go racing at the end of the day. And if they if they make mistakes like this one, you're endangering people's lives. There is no getting around that. I mean, I know they they bear such a heavy burden to enable us to go racing in the first place, but you have to get it right. There is no compromise on that, that that can be afforded. And again, this series has to do better. And it's such a fucking shame because like I said, this was a 10 out of 10 formula E race. Genuinely. This was, this is a genuine race of the year contender. Absolutely. I, I came, I came into what starting to watch this race, not knowing what to expect because I had just seen the news that Sam Bird would draw. So I pop in, I'm like, well, what do we get out of this? Maybe Fenestras and Cassidy impress. Maybe we get some decent pressing. Hopefully everybody comes out of it. Okay. And there was a little bit of messiness. Sure. But once the race started and once we really got in the thick of things, you saw what's still great about Formula. You saw that there's there's plenty to look into. 
I, I, I saw these words from a friend of ours and said, formerly just needs to mature. Right now, it's like a boyfriend who won't grow up. And I don't need one of those on any number of levels. And they're not charming to other people. But it can do it. There's an essentially a good core to what it is. And I really hope that scrappy, brave thing reemerges. And so do I. Well, again, we've, we've been, uh, how many years are we going to say it in a row that FE needs to take that next step to look like a, to be taken seriously, to be taken seriously as a world championship? There, there's a certain level of quality and expectation that has to come with that. Now, get your Formula One jokes in right now, the peanut gallery. Mm-hmm. But look at the and Dre, we were talking about this in the context of MotoGP last night because their stewarding has been oh, a, a whole a whole mixed bag, and uh, the mix Horrendous. isn't very nice. Uh, the mix isn't very nice. It's all bad in there, but it's fucking still mixed. dreadful. Mm. Um, but but if the same spotlight was on this series as was Formula One. As is Formula One. <laughs> oh my God, the, the the state of social media talking about it every weekend. Oh yeah, like it, it'd it, be uninhabitable because it, it wouldn't it, just it's be like our every, pockets of hardcore racing fans that are ta- that are going on about this. It's right. everybody. Right. It's, like, it's every it's every couple of months we're having a new major incident of what the hell are you doing with this and series call, and calls for reform i was going to say like look i can't stand the cesspit that is formula one twitter but Neither i will I. but i will give them this they would leave no stone unturned when it comes to calling shit out we've all uh, that's the one thing we're all university good at calling out the bullshit that racing series often have to contend with and if formula e had even 50 percent even 25% of Formula One's attention is a global motorsport series. This be series over the calls. Like this we'd, we'd have to peel them out from under the bus they've been thrown under by now. This is bad on so many levels and yeah, even despite a genuine 10 out of 10 race, an all-time classic Formula E race was still leaving Cape Town which should absolutely be a keeper on Formula E's calendars going forward forever because this is a blueprint round for what this series can be this fills the heart that was left the hole in my heart that was left behind by punta del este and it it still is so incredibly infuriating that we are still leaving here with a bit of taste in our mouths because 20 percent of 20 percent of the grid basically couldn't take part in this race because they couldn't factor in how dangerous Cape Cape Town would be on their suspension. And we had a major qualifying incident that could have been so much worse and that could have been avoided with better marshalling and better organization from the series. Trey, only Formula E could give us a 10 out of 10 race and we walk away going, man, what a mess this series is. Do you know how infuriating that is? It's utterly embarrassing. On, on. Yo, yo Kevin Va- Kelvin Vanderlinda was great on commentary. He shouldn't have been on commentary. He should have been out there driving in his home it's, race. It's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like Jensen Button commentating in 2000. Like, this guy's great at this. Wait, why is he doing this again? Right, because he can't race. Um, <laughs> embarrassing. We got Don't a little use bit of- fuel with that as ballast, kids. Yeah, like... Uh, 
a little bit of late news. Um, unfortunately, we had a feeling this might crop up as well at, at certain points throughout the year because there is clashes with major parts of the World Endurance Championship and Formula E this year. Andre Lotta will, will, will not drive for Andretti at Jakarta, their, their doubleheader coming up uh, later in the year. Um uh, our friend and yours, Dre Lauder, will be instead testing at Le Mans for, I think it's the Porsche Penske program, Cam, remind me? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Going to yeah. kind of uh, the, the whole the, the whole of both uh, the GTP or the LMDH and LMH sides are really in full swing now with um, full test programs ahead of the kickoff of the WEC season. So hmm. we're going to see some of those involved in Formula E uh, getting quite a bit of, let's say, other work. In right. the meantime, during this this big break, because of course during this break we have sabring, uh, both sabring races. Indeed. Um, so he will not be taking part of Jakarta, but they, we have got a cool replacement. David Beckman is coming back for Andretti for the for that weekend, that double header. So that's cool, right? I like uh, David Beckman. Um, you, can, you can drive. Formula Three race winner. Uh, probably deserved better in Formula Two. Uh, reserve driver for Porsche. It's actually a bit ironic because. David Beckman is going to be at Sebring for the thousand miles driving for Hertz Team Jota in hmm. an LMP2 car that they have entered because they don't yet have their Porsche 963 ready, which is due to be driven by Yifei Will Stevens, and Antonio, Antonio Felix, Felix Acosta. Acosta, and Tom Brady. <laughs> and Tom Brady, apparently. Who knew? Tom future, Brady. Future comedian Tom Brady. Uh, sim racing legend who, like me, is halfway through putting a wheel together. Literally. Like, Cam Buckley is literally halfway through putting a wheel together as this podcast was recorded. I bought a uh, Fanatec DD Pro because my T300 died. As you do. Um... That'll do it for Formula E for a month now, actually. They're off for a month, uh, all through the month of March. They'll be back um, at the end of the month for Sao Paulo, another new round on the calendar. Hopefully, we can leave it without, you know, all this. Tearing our fucking hair out. You know, I'm waving my arms, but I know this is is not a visual medium, but I'm waving my arms saying all this shit, um, basically. (laughs) So hopefully without all of that, we can actually talk about how fucking good the racing was for once, because Formula E can't make anything easy for us out here. Never. Not in a million years. Also, cool hire, I have to mention as well. Friend of the show, Katie Fairman is back writing for them as well. Yeah! Hell yeah. Damn that's good hire. The, that's that good shit that, that they should be doing more of. Yeah. Um, all I will say is is that my current employers um, should have done better to look after her because Katie Fairman is, is a fucking gangster. And um, um, Formula E, put her name on their shit on the website, please, because that deserves some credit. Thank you. Right. Let's get out of here. We, we, we Last time we were on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101, Twitter handles at Dre underscore WTF1, at RJ O'Connell, and it's at CBuckley917. Motorsport 101 pod for our Instagram website, motorsport101.com. Um, Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Until next time, and God, next time what will be... Go time for Formula One in Bahrain. Oh, oh. oh boy. It's, it's race week. It's not race raw week. Seek. It's raw sewage week. That's what it stands for, folks.
Yay! Our they call favorite. it raw sewage week because that's what it feels like when you when you go skirt diving into the scourges of registered trademark F1 Twitter looking for a tweet to dunk on. We could all do better and just not dunk on people for just, for just, just don't engage. Just don't engage. They don't deserve your. They don't deserve your typing. Indeed, but uh, yeah, we'll figure that out next week. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been R.J. O'Connell and Cam Buckley. Formula E, get your fucking house in order. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Well, you might be an odd racing series, but I must say, you steam a good overtake. You cape a good town. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.